to the Live to Shoot podcast. I'm Jeff Dowdle, and I've been a, a licensed firearm dealer for 13 years. I'm passionate about supporting our Second Amendment rights, and in this podcast, I'll talk about all topics related to the Second Amendment, as well as I might flip in a sports story or a movie update as well. well welcome to episode 37 of the Live to Shoot podcast. Happy Labor Day. I hope everybody's having a, a safe Labor Day and enjoying their time off. This is going to be a sh- shorter one than even normal, and I just thought we would update uh, on a couple stories that we've been following over the last several weeks and move on and enjoy our Labor Day. So one thing, topic lately has been the, the gun sales, gun volumes, and it has just continued to grow. And so there's an article in the Short Shooting Illustrated where the small arms analytics and forecasting chief economist Jurgen Breyer said that after he analyzed July's national, the NICS checks, he estimates that the market for the first seven months of 2020 now have nearly matched the entire of 2019. And that's before he even got 20, August's numbers. He said that, that after uh, subtracting out for administrative checks in July, the, he estimates the uh, firearm purchases for July were $2 million. I've heard a very similar number for August. They've had every month has uh, surpassed months previously in the same time period. We've had record-setting months, and it just continues. Now, it's interesting, though. Gun control activists are, are trying to spin that. So it's what our friends at every town are saying right now. So this is from the Nick Saplina, who's the main director of law and policy for at every town for gun safety. He says, with protesters being shot in the streets and gun violence on the rise, more guns is not the recipe for public safety. Fortunately, polls show that this jump in sales leads more Americans to support common sense gun safety laws, which is bad news for every 2020 candidate who is still taking orders from the gun lobby, starting with President Trump. So interesting. Not sure how you get that leap in logic that more gun sales means people are wanting more gun control. But actually, last last August, uh, Rasmussen's poll said that nearly two-thirds of uh, poll responses agreed with the idea that more gun laws are needed. This August, that has dropped down 12 points to 54%. So I think people are seeing with all the violence out there and the uncertainty that and trying to maybe even purchase guns for the first time and understanding what the laws are all about are starting to understand that maybe gun control is not the best solution. Also, from our friends at Everytown, Ron Wilcox, the Deputy Director of Policy, in strategy, he says, gun sales have been surging since the pandemic began, so it's impossible to identify the exact reason for this month's sales. But it is clear that President Trump and gun companies are recklessly fear-mongering every day, which is dangerous and wrong at a time when the threat of gun violence is on the rise and hospitals are overflowing with patients. We're fear-mongering. Interesting, the gun manufacturers. All you have to do is turn on your television and look as uh, Minnesota, Portland are all burning uh, because of peaceful protest. And so I think it doesn't take much um, from the gun manufacturers to, to, to fear-monger. Now, the other spin that they had on this, too, in, is that with the surge in gun sales, the NICS system has been backed up. It has been overwhelmed. I, as an FFL, I can attest to that. I um, What I've been taking would take less than a minute to get background checks. Sometimes they're taking 20, 30 minutes for them to return back to me. And in a lot of cases, I'm getting a lot more delays than I've uh, got in the past. And so 
you know, that is uh, resulting in, in issues. And so the other spin that they're having is that now, because of this, the delays, they're pulling out the Charleston loophole, that more and more people that wouldn't normally qualify are able to purchase guns because their background checks aren't being completed. I think that's a bunch of baloney. There's no stats that support that whatsoever. I've been doing this for 13 years. I kind of understand what some of the, the uh, processes around the delays and if somebody is typically going to be denied it will not go into the beyond the three-day period they will identify that quickly and is issue that denial so the delay numbers going up do not necessarily equate to to greater people that aren't um, eligible to purchase firearms being able to purchase firearms and then the last story I want to talk about is just a little update on our our historical finding, our uh, ruling in, in the Ninth District on the that the uh, ban on high capacity magazines is unconstitutional. That, so now the the Attorney General for California has made his decision, and he has requested an en banc hearing. And just to give you an idea of what that is, so in the Ninth District there are twenty nine judges. That, and three will sit on a case and and randomly selected. If somebody requests an en banc hearing, then in that an en banc can actually mean all the judges. So all 29 could sit now and hear the case on appeal. Now that typically doesn't happen. In the Ninth District, it says that the typical number for an en banc hearing is 11. But again, you know, so it's not guaranteed. There's, you know, it's it's kind of a long shot. One is a long shot even of whether they'll hear it. Hear it as an en banc. It's 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 somewhat like instant replay. That whenever you these judges are hesitant to do this because they're they are going to be potentially hearing cases against their own judges in their own district, and that can cause you know conflict. But so it is a, a long shot. But it looks like probably one way or the other that this case is um, probably going to make its way to the Supreme Court, which I really hope is a good thing. I. I and especially if we can get President Trump elected again and potentially get another justice in there before it makes it there, that would really improve our chances and go a long way to solidifying what the stance on the Second Amendment is. So last thing, you know, as we are getting closer and closer to the election, I don't want there to be any confusion about what Sleepy Joe feels about guns. So here's just a little clip as we uh, close out our show on what Sleepy Joe thinks about what, what his position is on gun control. Taking a lot of heat in this primary on these debate stages and from voters here in New Hampshire for your past positions, you've essentially asked them to look at the totality of your record and give you the benefit of the doubt. Does Senator Sanders deserve that same benefit of the doubt on guns? Well, look, here's the deal. The biggest mistake that Bernie made, that Senator Sanders made, he voted to give the gun manufacturers the only major industry in America, and a, a, a loophole that does not allow them to be sued for the carnage they are creating. First thing I'll do as president is work to get rid of that. It's going to be hard. Think of all the thousands and thousands of people who died. And I might add, Bernie, while you were representing your constituency, an awful lot of people in their gun state, and they've come around. In fact, all those folks in California, New York, Pennsylvania, they were getting killed by the thousands during this same period. I come from a state that's a major gun-owning state. I introduced the first assault weapons 
Nation's ban. I, in fact, got it passed. I'm the only guy that beat the NRA twice. I was, while I was pushing the Brady background bill, check, uh, background checks, Bernie voted five times against it when he was in the House. So look, the other thing is that when we, we have to be...